going to do a little different. We're going to, in the middle of what I'm sharing with you today, we're going to we're going to partake of communion together. Well, it's so great to have you here. Um, and uh, it's a good day. It's a good day. Amen. So I'm going to pray. So Lord, we thank you, God, for this time. And uh, we uh, we we're not here for some ceremony. We're not here for some ritual. Just like our worship, we want to worship you. We want you to be pleased with our worship. We want you to come inhabit our praises. And God, we want to hear from you today. I've got some stuff laid out here, but God, we just we want to hear you, hear what you have to say. So help us to hear you today. And trust God for your, your presence and your blessing, even as we sit around these tables in just a little bit. Um, uh, that, that we would be a people equipped to represent you right here in whatever that looks like, different for all of us, but that we would be representing you and giving you glory. And so, Father, show us in your word what that looks like and prepare us in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. 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 You can go ahead and put that up. Paul? Yeah, thanks. Um, Excuse me. Um, I've said this before. It's been I've heard it. You know that the, the job of the pastor, you know, is to comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. You know, yeah. That latter part's harder to do than the, for, the former, because <laughs> not everybody wants to be this, um, shaken out of their their comfort. Um, uh, but you're here, and so that's not you. <clears throat> um, but s- biblically, uh, the role of the pastor, really the fivefold ministry of apostles, pr- prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, uh, the Apostle Paul writes that God gives, has given these to the church, and this is for the purpose, to prepare God's people uh, for works. For what? What was that again? <laughs> For works of service, so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see uh, these key words? You could also underline the word works there that I didn't get in there, but I have in my notes. But, but this, if I have a responsibility to you, it's before God to help you be prepared, as, and myself as well, for whatever works of service God has given us to do. Because we are, I, I, again, we've done this for. I want all the ministers to raise your hand. Put your hand up. If you're, if you're, if you're, you claim Christ, you are a minister. That's in biblically, right? Um, same thing. How many, uh, who are the intercessors here, right? We all are intercessors, right? It's, I'm sure some people gravitate to prayer more than others, but we are all intercessors. We can go, how many greeters do we have here? All right, okay, you're all greeted. We are, right. And, and you guys do that so well here. Um, and that's and all these things. We are, th- this is a, about preparing God's people for work for service. When I first came into the, we first started in ministry, that was a time where it was still expected that 
the person that I that the, the the guy should marry should be someone who could play the piano or the organ, you know. And and you did all the work, you know. You did everything, you know. Your wife, she was. You got two for the price of one. She did everything for free, and you, you know, you got paid, uh, you know, to do the work. And people came and showed up, and maybe helped you a little bit. But you better be at this person's house. You better be doing this. You better be doing that, you know. And uh, always be at somebody's home, and always be in the Word, always be in prayer, always be out in the community, and always be helping people then you're worthy as a pastor. And, uh, and, I, and we've, we've seen those situations. We've been in, went into a situation that was very much like that. And yet that has nothing to do with the New Testament. Right? Because God wants to heal people through you. He wants to speak some truth and life, if, if, if in just a few sentences to somebody, through you. Not just try to... God didn't say... Go into all the world and make them come into your church so your pastor can lead them to me. That's not in the Bible. In fact, the pattern of the New Testament is that as people as they were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, what they do? They went out and people got saved out there, and then they came in, and that's how the church grew. All right? And, and that, that's really what it is. And obviously, we won't all do the same thing. Obviously, the, the, like the... Bible talks, Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians and in Romans about the, the body, many different parts. You can't everybody be a pinky or be a nose or be an ear, right? But we need them all. And so, so um, but this is so much what, what this is all about. And part of it is I, we just add the fellowship of, of believers. It's so important, this, this, this idea that gets forgotten um, that of the importance that you obviously recognize of just being with people who love God, right? They don't have to be perfect people. They have to be look just like you, but they love God and you love them and we all want the same thing. And there's something that happens in this kind of meeting, in these, in our small groups, like our Bible studies and stuff, our women's group, something's happening there that is you and I need for those days ahead. They're going to be difficult, it might be them that goes through a difficult time. Well, guess what? We've, we've gotten to know each other. And it's just a natural thing to share your burden with. If, if, if all you ever do is just drop in once in a while, or just watch, watch it online, watch some guy on TV once in a while, and that's your church, there's, there's, a, there's a, 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 a deficiency, a spiritual, nutritional defi- deficiency. And God wants us to be healthy and be prepared. And part of that is, notice it says, to repair God's people, works and service, so that the body of Christ might be built up. Not just one Christian here, one there, but that the body of Christ. And this is so important, what, uh, why we're all here. And, uh, uh, and, um, like, and so I, I think about like on the day of Pentecost, um, in Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit fell on everyone, right? And they'll start speaking in tongues and praising God. And, and the people from all the different nations of, the, uh, of that region had come for, for, pass, uh, for Pentecost. And they heard these Galilean Jews all speaking their own language. It was a very unique, one-time kind of experience in that, as you know, people from different countries, they looked at the same people and they heard their language. And this person from another country heard the same people, but they were speaking their language and they could all understand they were worshiping a totally, completely unique in that sense. Um, the, and then the, the subsequent experiences of the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
they they were speaking in tongues and nobody understood what was being said but clearly this it was evidence that the power of God had come on the day of pentecost so as as all, everybody looked at that what was the first question they asked you remember what does this mean right and I, I believe that right now we need to be the kind of people that we're looking around around us and saying, what does this mean? Um, when we see this stuff happening, like um, uh, when we, we, we see the, the stuff happening in, in the presidential elections, we, we see the, the indictments, we see the, the, it seems like the Department of Justice is go after one group of people, but the other ones can get away with murder, you know, and even have cocaine in the White House and nobody cares, and then we could just all, go down this whole list. Um, uh, <coughs> excuse me about that. Um, really, a two t- you, you see it at just a, a blatant two-tiered uh, uh, justice system. I mentioned this a little bit last week. Uh, the, these, the planned uh, epidemic that is about to start, supposedly, they, they schedule it for about a week and a week or two. Um, how do you do that? And I've already seen there was somebody who was getting uh, on a, a plane or something, and they were being required to um, the mask thing starting to come back in some places, and then they're going to mandate you have to get this vaccine. The, the the resident of the White House, he said that he's asking for more money to um, get a new vaccine that works even better, and none of them work. They're not vaccines. You still get sick. You still pass it on, and um, actually the death, the, the all-cause death rate has skyrocketed in ways that there's no that this is there's clearly something has happened to the to the human population to all of a sudden these so many tens of thousands of more people dying in one year New Zealand is a great example of that um, Australia because they just almost almost universally vaxxed everybody we see these things happening when uh, I could go on and on as you know but um, uh, how about the Maui fires they just just disturbing. I'm not trying to say that person's right or that, but there's just way too many unanswered questions that sh- some questions should be answered by now. And there's some disturbing, disturbing things. And we and, and uh, we look at like uh, so. The question is, what does this mean? That's the bigger question, not what happened. Okay, all right. Why is there so much deception? Okay, we need to recognize that. But I think the bigger question is, and I, and I in my column that's going to come out here next week, I think I talk. What does this mean on a grander scale? What's happening in America? We could ask what's happening in the church. We could also ask that, as well as this this terrible stuff that just continues in our schools. Um, um, I mean, the first the first week of school, little girls were shocked as this boy comes in their bathroom in a locker room, and and parents being told, "You better just be quiet and not threaten this this one person, disturbed child," and all the other girls should just go to a a single use bathroom. Everybody got to bow to the ninety the ninety nine point nine nine percent. Of those who aren't confused, have to bow to the the few that are. I mean, there's there's some serious things. That even that the election fraud, the audit in Georgia. You know, George, uh, what's his name? What's the guy in the White House? <laughs> he allegedly won for uh, by only about twelve thousand votes. 
the Georgia audit, and that might have just been in the main county or two, 143,000 plus fraudulent votes. So I'm not saying that would have made a difference, but how can you tell me that there's not fraud going on? And, and so we, we can get in that bandwagon and, and, and let's, let's fix our voting thing. Well, you've got corruption is the currency of, the, of, of so many in, in, in politics. I talked about currency last week. We need to ask, well, what's, there's a bigger thing going on here. Um, and, uh, and so the question would be, well, don't get ahead of myself. It's this kind of thing. This is the, this pathway, what's going on. This is what's recognized what's happening. The process of evil. First, you overlook it. That's the first step, right? Remember back in the 70s? Um, if you can remember like I can. Um, I was very young. But the whole homosexual thing. Well, just leave us alone. What we do in our own house, we're not hurting anybody. Just, okay. And then you've got to permit it. Then all of a sudden, this permitting it. And then, then it comes to legalizing it. Then, then you promote it. Then you celebrate it, Right? And then you persecute those who still call it evil. Um, this, is, this is where we're at. Um, and we've re- referenced this scripture before in 1 Chronicles 12, uh, 32. It's listing the different tribes. And when it comes to the tribe of Issachar, it makes this interesting comment that the men of Issachar who, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do, and the 200 chiefs, um, with all their relatives under the command. So there were like 200 specific chiefs who specifically recognized the people who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Uh, I mean, why should we work to understand the times? So we know what to do. And having a biblical mindset is crucial to knowing what to do and also to understand the times, right? Also, in, in the, the days of Esther, it says, but, uh, this is when... Queen Vashti refused to come, and uh, if you're familiar with the story, and, and the king said, oh, man, what's going on here? This can't, this can't keep going on. All the women will follow Queen Vashti's uh, example and rebel against all the husbands. We've got to teach those women a lesson to obey, right? And the verse 13, though, makes a comment, Since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, he spoke with the, men, the wise men who understood the times. This is so crucial that we understand the times uh, because of what we're facing. Uh, how can believers know, understand the times if they refuse to talk about them? If they think that by hiding in a little corner and not talking about these things because they're political or whatever then we have, a, we have abandoned the role, I think, that God has for us to be salt and light in this world. Amen? We're actually the answer. Do you understand that? Not, not in us in ourselves, but because of Christ in us, we have the answer, right? The, the, the answer the, what that's, that's for the plagues upon this nation are right here. But we're the only ones who have come to know Christ and believe in this word, so who, how else are they going to get it if they don't get it through us? Amen? Amen? And so we must understand the times because we will um, give us wisdom. Uh, in James 1.5, you're familiar with this, if anyone lacks wisdom, we should ask God who gives generously without finding fault 
um, uh, and it will be given to him. But I, don't you like that part, that latter part? That God will give wisdom generously without finding fault. How many know people who, who maybe like to keep pointing out things from the past? All right? Yeah. But God isn't that way. He says, all right, he, he knows where we're at. Aren't you glad he knows you pretty well? And he loves you anyways? I mean, that's part of the gospel, the, the, the fundamental. He still does. He says, if you ask me, I'm going to give you generously the wisdom you need, probably, which means more than you need, and I'm not going to go point a, fall, a finger at you um, for what you haven't done. Make sure you silence your phones. <laughs> All right. I just heard a little ding. Um, and then, but also Psalm 110, verse 11, 111, verse 10. <laughs> I'll get it. A little dyslexia going on there. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. That means to God. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, again, because it, we, be, we're, we put ourselves in the right place of where we should be in this world. You recognize there is a God who is, uh, as you would say, transcends creation. Transcend means that he's outside of it. He's independent. He doesn't, whatever happens here doesn't affect his existence one bit. Now, things that happen here affect our existence, right? They don't touch God because he's outside. That makes him God and makes us not God, right? But as, as that fundamental understanding, then you recognize that he's the creator. He created me. And I'm going to probably have to give an account for my life before him. So that what I do now matters. And also, I probably should find out what are the things, and Paul talks about, we just find out the things that please the Lord. Well, why? Because you're going to stand before him one day. And, and that basic understanding will begin to walk, get you on the pathway to wisdom that anything else can't get you. It's that basic biblical worldview. You understand where you are in this world, that God is God. He, he created you. He's put you in this world. You're not just some highly evolved amoeba or, you know, salamander that just, you know, grew facial hair and as a guy, you know, any of that kind of stuff. No, we are unique. You understand? We're even even in your humanity. You are are unique. Human life is 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 uh, completely separate from all the kinds of life by evidence. All these things that the more you, you begin to realize this, you recognize the importance of of every life matters. And so the unborn, because of your biblical worldview, God who created you, life is precious. Human life, especially. Then if he's creating it, then it must, we should protect all life. And so you naturally become a pro-lifer. And then also, elderly people or, or those who are, 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 are terminally ill, you recognize how precious life is. And so you will not do anything to support you know, the, the euthanasia thing, you know, the, the su- assisted suicide. No. And so you understand, and we just keep going down. The children, um, marriage, family, all these things. When you, when you walk in the fear of the Lord, that you recognize, meaning you, you honor and revere what he has said and who he is. Then all of a sudden, you, and so you begin to follow his precepts, and you begin to understand things. 
I mean, I, about you, when I, I've said this before, when I first became a Christian, all of a sudden I began to understand things in the Bible uh, and who God was. All, all of a sudden things just began, I just began to understand things. And this is what we need today. And that's what's lacking out in, I mean, the madness that, that our schools are teaching little boys that they might be a girl. It's just because they feel like it. That's just like ludicrous. Uh, a, 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 an ideology that was a fringe thing five, six, certainly ten years ago was like, are you kidding? That's ridiculous. Is now mainstream. I mean, even in the White House, we're going to protect trans kids. Well, what about all the other kids? What about the girls in their bathrooms and locker rooms? Are you protecting them? No, you're not. This isn't about protecting kids. And so that's one thing that like, I'm not going to back down on that one. Um, and and uh, anyway, so I, I want to keep going here. <laughs> um, so we need to ask, so what, what does this mean about America? What, what is this revealing to us about America? And I, I believe, uh, you know, we're, 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 we want to be positive, but can we just be frank right now, even though my name is not Frank? Um, America is decaying right before our eyes. And we have, to, we have to recognize that. It's not like, well, if we just, man, if we just tweak a few things, it'll be okay. We just, if we get, just get Donald Trump elected, then everything is going to be fine. No, America is decaying at a much deeper level than some one particular uh, office in, in the land, even the highest office in the land. And America is going to die a terrible death if something doesn't change. And again, there's only one answer. His name is Jesus. He is our Lord and Savior, and it's his word that gives us life and truth. And, and, and the, the testimony of, of, of Scripture and of, of church history shows that when the people of God got hungry for God and recognized that the seriousness that was around them in their culture and the cost that was being paid to the innocent victims around us, the children are being uh, victimized by this ideology, and women likewise and so forth. And they've said, enough is enough. We have got, God, you have to come. That's why this song, Lord, let your glory fall on this place. It's not just a nice song. It's a desperate need right now. Sadly, so much of the church is divided over even what is evil and what is good. I mean, there's, I mean, there's churches that got their rainbow thing. You know, it's not about Noah's Ark at all. It's all about we just welcome everybody. You know, this whole thing about, about um, uh, this one guy was, um, th- there's a group after Sunday, this, there's a group that is going to Mayor Woodward uh, in Spokane demanding she declare separation of church and state. No such thing. But, and say, we want her to affirm Spokane's new motto, which is Spokane, all are welcome. Unless you're white and a Christian, right? And, we, and then we want to call you an and you love your nation. You want to bring your faith into the public square. Now you're a white Christian nationalist. You're, you're, a, you're a hateful racist bigot, a white supremacist. 
Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> I love Jesus and I love you. You get no evidence. But you understand. Um, uh, there, are, there are those, there are even those who would call themselves Christians and, and uh, of very liberal denominations uh, who are, who are um, campaigning with that to oppose any involvement in Christianity uh, in these things. And we can see, really, the church has so little influence right now. I think, I think part of it might just be because we're so divided. There's such a, two contradictory messages being heard, you know. Uh, and, and then there are those who want to characterize us, who, who still believe the truth, God's truth, that, the only, that, that we have to be portrayed uh, on those TV shows and stuff. If, if you're a Christian uh, character in a sitcom or something, you're usually, uh, if you're a guy, you're, you're, you're self-centered and boorish and, and, and probably cheating on your wife in the back of the corner, you know. But if you're, if you're embracing some of the woke ideology or, you know, you, you, you bow at the, at the altar of, of climate change um, or homosexuality, then you are portrayed as a person with a, with a brain and in and, and common. There's all these things are out there. So this anti-Christian sentiment is growing. I mean, that just the vitriol I got personally for having that uh, can- candidates forum here that, that night, the end, last Wednesday of July, just, you know, scoriating me and, 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 and the church, you have no business, you should get out of there, you, you know. But let's just say this, at least they're acting according to their nature, Right? You've rejected God. You've embraced a lie. If you act consistent with the lie you believe, and at least you're being consistent. How about we be consistent? Okay, that's that's all, all we're asking. So, so, and so, so I guess the question is that. So, what must we do? All right. And so, uh, I, how can we position ourselves to best address? Uh, best address the things today. Even more so, I want to. I want to. Let's get some hope here. How can we be best positioned to see God do great things? How many know that the devil's a liar, and he tries to scream really, really loud to scare you, but he has no power in, by comparison to the to the God we serve. All right. And so those bullies like that, be it the devil or, or others, they try to shout loud, loud and intimidate you and scare you into not standing up in, in the strength and in the name that you have. And we, we can't allow that to happen because greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Amen? That through Christ, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? And we, the, just you start feeling intimidated... Excuse me, by the by the the vitriol and all the 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 anti Christian sentiments out there and, and all these things, you just start quoting those those promises of God. You know, if God be for us, who can be against us? I mean they're against me, but they're not gonna win. I mean even if they win a victory right here in this world, listen, this isn't listen, it's it's not over until God says it's over. Amen? And uh and quite frankly, this is not the end. The, the very end is when we stand before him on that day. Amen? 
And so be, uh, to be best positioned to see God do great things. And I just, I, I want us to try and, and get ourselves in that mindset that as we see the disturbing things on the news, we see the disturbing predictions of coming lockdowns or whatever it might be, that, that we could say, you know, God, what is it you're about to do? What, what do you want to do through me? What kind of miracles are waiting to happen? Help me to be ready to, to, to see that and not just get buried or defensive um, by what's going on. And so you look at First Peter, if you turn your Bible there. And so um, uh, chapter 1. And I know we want to eat, right? But let's look at this. So, First Peter chapter one, verse one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, uh, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. That's just introductory. How many times have, if you've read these, part, these little introductions, you just kind of breeze through them real quick, right? I have. But this, this is the first thing. The first thing. It's our, we need to talk about, uh, understand what our, our identity is. This is what he's talking about. The first thing that helps us to be positioned to best address and, and be ready to, to see God do great things is recognize who you are in Christ. That you are not just some number, you know, in, in some vast corporation. You are a child of God. What are the words he says? We are God's elect. That you have been, there's an election. What do you, you elect people to what? To a position, don't you? That you and I have been elected. We are, uh, because we follow Christ, we represent Him to the rest of this world. If you understand how, how the Israel was initially created, 12 tribes, um, actually 13, um, in the sense, uh, because Joseph, one of, one of Jacob's sons, had to, Manasseh and Ephraim both became a tribe, and then Levi, uh, became set apart as the, the the priesthood, and so that's how you. They never got any inheritance, so you still have twelve tribal lands, and uh, and but Levi is not one of them. Does that help? Does that is that too much information? Um, but the, the tribe of Levi was set apart to be God's voice to the rest of the of the nation. The ministry flowed through them, right? And in the same sense, God says in, in Exodus to, to Israel, he says that he would, you, I'm making you a, a kingdom of priests to the nations. That Israel was to be, to the rest of the world, his, his voice, his hands, his, you know, they were the ones to bring the message. And now we as the church... And in the sense that we have been elected, if you will, for the purpose of representing Christ to those around us um, um, and that. But also notice that it, in, your, in your Bible, it probably says strangers. Yours might say aliens. We don't believe in the aliens of the UFO type they're talking about. But 
but strangers in this world. I mean, we recognize, yeah, I'm a citizen of the United States of America, but my, my number one citizenship is in the kingdom of God. And so I, I, my, the, the fundamental principles by which I govern my life are God's principles, not man's principles. Amen? And so I recognize that. And that's also, again, talks about how getting a biblical worldview, you recognize that, that um, uh, the standards by which you, you live um, are, are, are God's first and last. Amen? And then they were scattered. Of course, we're not so much scattered, but verse 2, who've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of the Father. Jesus told his disciples that you didn't choose me, I chose you. Just think about that. That God chose you. You know, you th- me? Buck Weezer? <laughs> Sorry, that's a comics thing we've got. But he chose me. He did choose you. You know, he knows everything about you. And we've been chosen by him. And then, but then according to the foreknowledge of God, that he knew you, and this, the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Aren't you glad that, that uh, your, you got some, we got some help in this being cleansed and sanctified? Aren't you glad about that? Because, you know, some of you have been walking with Jesus longer than I have. I, I've been since uh, 61, 51 years, 51 years. Um, but I tell you... <laughs> I'm thankful for the sanctifying work of the Spirit inside of me, right? But that we were chosen, if you go back, he's chosen according to his foreknowledge, the sanctifying work, for what? What's the word there? Chosen for obedience. For obedience to Christ. He's chosen us to to follow him, to obey him. Um, too much of the Christian life has, is portrayed at times, not everywhere, but at times, as a self-help uh, methodology. And it is all that. I mean, how many need a little help sometimes, right? But that's not... He wants to help you to get you whole because he wants to use you. He wants to get glory out of your life. And guess what? You'll find pleasure in that, even more so, not, maybe not in the moment, if we go through difficult, difficult things that happen, but, but God will get glory through your life. And honestly, how many want to get a great reward when you stand before him? I, I'm talking about selfish. I mean that, that God recognizes, it's not something you're, you're trying to do by by. By wrong motives, it's, I I want to hear "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." That I, that's what I want to hear, and so God brings stuff into your life, difficult times, or He allows others to do something. He does. He's not out there just trying to you know put some force field around you and stuff. We live in this world. We can't escape the things of this world or the people of this world. But He's these are opportunities that we can then experience what it means to trust Him, to walk His way, to stand up when nobody else wants to, when it's not the way uh, that everybody is going after it, and, and yet you know what, it's the right thing, and you have this chance to stand up, to speak up, 
And then you get slammed, you get criticized. But you're, you're, you're endeavoring to do it right, you know, with, in a heart of love, but in truth. And what you're doing, you're storing up your riches in heaven. And God has given you an opportunity to build your bank account up there through the trials you face here. Amen? Yeah. The second thing, the next verse is, is really about our inheritance. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope. How about that? A living hope. A living hope. You know, your live, our bodies are alive, right? And part of that process is cells get old, right? And they die off. But what happens? New ones come. There's a, a renewing process that, that's part of your body. Somebody said, uh, um, when the dying begins to get more often than the, the new cells, that's when age, aging happens. And that's, I don't know. But, but this living hope, yes, yeah, like, uh, I'm very familiar with that aging thing. Right? But this living hope, there's a, a renewing hope that God has for you and I. And, that, and that's just found in the simple things of our, of our personal devotional life and prayer, our, our, our fellowship, our, our worship, our, our, our working together for the kingdom of God as a body in, in whatever way, whether it's VBS uh, or, or if it's, if it's uh, helping with the fire victims or if it's this thing and that, that, that we are doing these things together. There's a living hope, a renewing hope inside of us as we continue to draw near to God. Um, uh, and it, through the resurrection, but into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Aren't you glad you have this inheritance? Nothing can touch you. No one can touch that which God has given you through Christ. Understand that? No matter how bad life gets, to be able to say like, yeah, but my inheritance is secure. Amen? And uh, there are a few people agree with that. So some of us will, will finally figure that out. Uh, but can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven to you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last day. That this is, we are shielded by God, through faith, by God's power. Um, uh, that we have a Father who loves us, amen? And He is with us through all these these. These things and, and the, the, the fundamental relationship we have is that he is our father and we are his child. And nothing changes that, right? You're a parent. You understand that. You know, you're, no matter what your child has done, good or bad, they are your child. This is, and that's why God said that the, the, the Lord's Prayer begins with our father. Jesus said our father, not our master, not our employer. Because he wants you to understand this is a father. This is a relationship. You are his child. Yeah, he may not be happy with you sometimes. But you're his child and he loves you as much as you love your children no matter what they do. It's just revelatory to me as, to, to understand that as a father. And that God would have that kind of father, that, that kind of love uh, for me. And then we have an insurance policy, not, not the one that you heard about um, in 2016 and 2017. Um, but that, um, that it is, uh, verse 6, look at verse 6, it says, um, In this you greatly rejoice, even though for a little while you have had to suffer grief 
in all kinds of trials. These have come that so your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may be result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. These, these things have come. That, that what God has given to us is ours for sure, and he's with us no matter what. And... Um, uh, but that these have come so that he might do marvelous things in us, change us, use us for his glory. And I want to talk about this pain and trials as being the first step. But I want to, I want to um, just pause here in, at this moment and we recognize what we have in Christ. Amen? That, we, uh, that our identity is in Christ, that we, our inheritance is, is secure, and that, that he is, is, is with us. That, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what challenges you are, are in, that we can rejoice and be thankful that, you know what? I don't need to fear those things. That, 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 what's that song we say? That um, uh, fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. That's not some emotional thing. That's the fact that he loves me. And when it says God loves you, that actually translates into something tangible in the situation you're in. When you go like, he loves me no matter what's going on. I know he hasn't forsaken me. He's going to see me through. I can't see beyond this situation, but he can, and I'm going to trust him. Because he loves me. I'm just on that basis alone. And... Um, so if you can, you got your little wafer out, your little cellophane thing. I I think we're gonna go back to the regular ones. Anybody for that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll go back to those here soon. But well, we have here the body of Christ, not literally a symbolic way. In this little wafer here, and um, represent how Christ gave all of himself that that following his father's will was not like a weekend pursuit you know he wasn't a, a weekend follower you got it there already good job all right his life we talk about i gave my life to christ which means i gave my life to christ I give all of it. Now, so whatever you do, it's now for him. That's what this represents. He did that. And so we, again, just reaffirm today that we, I gave my life to you, Jesus. You can have it. Get glory out of my life. Amen. Just hold it up real quick. And Lord, we just thank you that you gave, you, you made the example for us and you, Gave your life for us in, in not just a weekend and not just one event, but for 33 or so years on this earth, your life was given for us. And Father, we give you our lives. You would get glory out of our lives like we have salvation and, and mercy and grace from yours. And we do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread. can open up the careful 
And the cup, which referred to Jesus called the fruit of the vine. Um, we don't have fermented wine. Some do. Um, we specifically don't because there are some folks who have come out of addiction and one sip of an alcoholic drink could just trigger them. And so it's more for them than for anything. But the fruit of the vine is, is a phrase Jesus used. And um, Jesus spoke of it, his blood, as the um, blood of the lamb uh, that takes away the sins of the world. We're grateful for that. Amen? That your sins have been forgiven. Your debt before God has been completely canceled. I should say paid in full, actually, and can never come after you. You're free. Amen? So, Father, we thank you that through the blood of Jesus we have been forgiven and our, our faith in you. And, God, I just pray that you uh, might just solidify the reality that we have truly been forgiven in, through Christ in each of us as we might walk in this life. And we, we thank you for that. We lift this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me just wrap this up, and I got to want to pray for you. Um, I got a chance to uh, write a second uh, column this month, <laughs> actually. Um, and uh, something I hadn't thought of. In light of verse 7, these things have come so that even though God may not have... God, I don't believe God sends cancer. No, I don't think he does that. I don't think, he, I don't think God causes... Um, fires to destroy people's homes. I don't. God doesn't do that. I mean, this world uh, is running as God designed it, and and how we've treated it. It's responding to how we treat it, good or bad. All right, and just things are what they are. But can anybody say you're thankful for pain? No. I. When I go to the doctor and, and if they're updating my chart, they say, have any allergies? Yes, I'm, I'm allergic to pain. <laughs> and so that's my allergy. And, um, but what would happen if we could never experience pain? Because pain is simply the God-given announcer. There's something wrong in here and you need to go find it. It actually becomes, as I was writing about this, I believe it becomes the first step to your healing yes. is the pain. The first step to being free from the thing that is actually destroying you inside is the pain. The first step to really living the life you want to live is the pain. Because you've got to get rid of whatever that is in there before you can go any farther. Because if you don't, you will never. The same thing with trials. In that same sense. So you could say that pain is like the first step to living the life God wants you to live. How many have thought of it that way? I haven't thought of it that way. 
trials, you go through trials, could that be the first step into knowing God in a way you've never known him before? Absolutely. I, I was just reading through Job and Job in chapter 42, when finally God confronts him, he says, beforehand, I only heard, I only read about you, but now I've seen you face to face. Now I know you. God wants to use these things to bring us to him. Amen? That we might know him better. That the, the key here, um, uh, well, Jesus, you know, he, he said, I've told you these things. In this world, you get trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Amen? I love, I love the NIV's uh, version of Romans 8.28. And all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? But I like that first three words. In all things, not just after, in the midst of what you're in, he wants to do something good in you that's more than just fixing the problem that you're in. Amen? In all things, he's going to do something inside of you. The trial is the very the beginning of you encountering and knowing God in a way you've never done, done before. It's so easy to say right now, right? All right? Or how about this Psalm 119? Verse 71, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. That same, same kind of thing. Uh, here's the promise, too, in 1 Corinthians 13. No temptation. Now, that word can be testing. All right? You may not be tempted in some you know, lustful thing, but it's the same understanding of being tested. This testing, no testing, has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted or tested, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. These are promises of God. So as you, as you look at the things that, are, that, that might be coming in at you, whether you feel like you're inside the belly of the whale or not, you may have situations family maybe, or, or, or health situations, financial things. These are testings. Um, but none of this is too much for you and Jesus to walk through. Amen? And he promises to take you through. Um, and then this verse, which is hard sometimes, those, again, those first four words. Consider it pure joy. Come on. Pure joy. When, uh, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. The, the whole process is there. There's this, this thing about persevering. And the perseverance he's talking about is that you're just, you, you keep standing. I'm still trusting you, God. I don't understand why. In fact, it looks like you turned against me or you're not answering my prayers. But I am standing you. I'm persevering in my faith in you because you love me. I know you love me. You are my father. As a father loves his child, you love me. I don't understand it, but I'm going to persevere. And what happens is a, a maturing process happens in your faith. A maturing process happens in your ability to stand in the midst of confusion and even, even contradicting circumstances. And yet you can say, I still trust in my God. And then you start going, ah, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Not because of, of some good worship team, but you recognize that I have found a place that I will trust you. In fact, I'm going to worship you. My world is falling apart, but I'm going to worship you. That's what he's talking about. 
And it's the trial that starts you on that path to encounter God and a faith you've never had before. And he wants us to have that. And I'm going to tell you, our lost neighbors and friends around here, they need us to know God in that way. Because I believe things are going to get really difficult, really, in, in, in ways we probably can't imagine. And if we can learn now these lessons and raise a hallelujah, then I believe God will get glory as he... Um, as his people declare their faith in him. Now in closing, I want to pray a prayer over you. Turn to, to Ephesians chapter 3. Chap, uh, yeah, Ephesians chapter 3. Then I'll close. I'm just going to close with this prayer for you. Really for all of us. The Apostle Paul prayed a prayer. So you need to have your Bibles open. I don't have it up here uh, Ephesians 3, verse 14. There's this Bible there underneath uh, the seat in front of you probably. And we say, if, if you ever need a Bible, there you can take it. If it's, We specifically, specifically bought those to be able to give away. This is a prayer that, that Paul prays. And just I want to just quickly touch on the points uh, before I pray it over you. Um, First thing he says, for this reason, in verse 14, I, I kneel before the Father. Again, the, the, can, can you just say right now to say, God is my Father. God is my Father. He loves me like a father should. Amen? And it's from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives, derives its name. That God is the source of, of every life. He's the source of your life. That means nobody can take your life until he says it's done. Amen? So something, something comes against you, uh, some disease. or that. No, my life is it's, it's in my father's hand until he says it's done. Amen? He is that the whole uh, family uh, in heaven and on earth derive its name from him. Uh, verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches... Right? This, that, that understand his resources are unlimited. So we can't get buried in the time of lack. Amen? We can't get so consumed that there's nothing there and recognize that God is more able. There's more than a few times we have been at pretty hard times. One time we literally had no food. Literally no food in the cupboards. And we had four kids. I don't know if you were pregnant with Brianna yet, our fifth one. But we had four kids, no food in the house. We came home and there were grocery bags of groceries on our front door. We didn't tell anybody. We had another time similar. We, we were young married and, and we didn't have any money for food. And, and we walked, came home to the apartment and there was an envelope stuck wedged in the doorway and had, had a bunch of cash in it. God's resources are unlimited. And if you can just say, God, I'm trusting you no matter what it is, he's going to take care of you. Amen? Verse 70, why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, it's about knowing Christ. It's about drawing ourselves to him. And I pray to you being rooted and established in love. This whole thing, that the very 
fabric, the very source of, of our, of our uh, growth and relation with God is, is his love for us and then our resulting love for him and for those around us. Amen? And verse 18, may you have the power together but with the saints to grasp what? How wide, long, high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love. All of these things are coming back to not get your problem fixed. It's to know him. That's what he wants. Gracious love. That it might really envelop us. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is what we need. We need the fullness of God in our lives. Amen? Fullness of the Spirit of God in our lives. Um, and then verse 20, And now to him who is to do immeasurably more can all ask or imagine, according to his power, be glory in the church. There's nothing that he can't do. There's no situation he can't bring you through. Amen? It, 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 it probably won't look like you want it to look, necessarily. It'll be better. Because it'll be what he wants. And so... Um, how many would say you're, you're, you'd, you could use this prayer right now? Huh? All right. So let's stand. And I, I just felt like um, like the Lord will, would have me pray this over you and obviously over me as well. But um, just as his under-shepherd in this, in this context that, that I might pray this. And I, I want to believe that... This this prayer becomes more than just a closing of a message, but that that the Holy Spirit does something inside of you, right where you need it done, in whatever that is. And so, um, if you want to you want to close your eyes, and if you'd like to lift your hands, it's not to me, but to the Lord. And I, I just want to pray this. I just see this as an equipping prayer that can help position us. To see God do great things. And that he might get glory out of our lives. And so, let me pray this for you. So for this reason, we kneel before the Father for whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives his name. And I pray that out of his glorious, unfathomable riches, that he may strengthen you with power. Through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Your faith in him. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. Everybody right here. Have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, How high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love yourself that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us to him To him, to him alone be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So, Lord, we we just 
say, Father, we just received this, God. We recognize you are our answer, and you have then elected us, chosen us to bring that answer to those around us. Now equip your, your church, awaken your church, draw us close to you, do the work that you've promised right here in your word in us, that you get glory out of our lives, and we know you like we've never known you before. And we just thank you. And I pray your blessing upon this, this fellowship as we gather around these tables. And God, as we go from this place, that, that you have shifting something um, in the spiritual realm that people would be awake to their need for you and, and would find you uh, in your greatness and in your, in your glory. And we, we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 All right. God bless you.